Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unlocked, the podcast that inspires you to create a successful, happy, and positive life and to live the best version of you. Hosted by me, Ricky Locke, professional magician, speaker, and trainer who has an unhealthy addiction to Frazzles Crisps. As this podcast is designed to help you create success and live a happy and positive life, don't forget to head to the show notes and you can download my free ebooks, 10 tips to improve your productivity, and even how to create awesome videos with a smartphone. Just head to the show notes of this episode and download your free resources today. Welcome to this episode. It is lovely to have you back. And if you are here for the first time, then welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode with Lee Horton. Now, fans of the show, you remember last week that I mentioned to save the date. The 19th of March, 2021, I'm running a free webinar and Q&A live on Confidence on Camera. It is completely free and I would love for you to join. If you're hosting live videos on social media, maybe you run presentations on Zoom for work and absolutely hate or even feel nervous showing your face or even speaking on camera, then this is the event for you. I'm going to be teaching you all the tricks and tips that I've been using over the last 15 years to convey confidence on camera. I'll be sharing top tips for speaking on camera, how to get rid of those pesky mms and ahs that all fall out of our mouth when we get a little bit nervous or a bit stressed being on camera. I'll be sharing top tips for a confidence mindset and even simple techniques such as framing and lighting and of course so much more that will help you be more confident on camera. It's free and it's on the 19th of March and registration for the webinar is out on Wednesday the 11th of March. It will be limited numbers so check out my social media to make sure that you get registered for the event. So in today's episode, I'm joined by a guy I absolutely love. In fact, I only met him this year, but instantly I wanted to connect with him. Lee Horton is a multi-sector leadership and change team coach, and he's a very jolly and funny guy, and he was absolutely brilliant to talk to. He has a very powerful story to share, and from this, he shares three amazing life lessons that we should all ask ourselves if we want to live the best version of ourselves. It is a great episode. Lee is fantastic, and I think you'll have a few smiles and inspiration to take away. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button and leave a review and a rating. It really helps the podcast get out to more listeners. Without further ado, enjoy this episode with Lee Horton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unlocked. Today, I have Lee Horton. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks very much, Ricky. Honestly, I've been looking forward to this all day, so so thank you for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. Well, I think um, it's my fault. I should have got back to you. And then I think you prompted me to say, Ricky, are we going to do this or not? And I was like, oh, yeah, we should, shouldn't we really? So, yeah, so I'm really excited for this. Um, thank you for joining. Uh, are you well? Are you keeping safe? Are you having a good week so far? Yeah, I'm really good, actually. Um, re- yeah, really good. But I-, I thought you'd read a book. Do you know them, them like dating books where it says, uh, don't reply to them within like the first three minutes of a, of a date or something. I thought yeah. you were just applying that to your to your podcast. So oh, you've just right. not, yeah, not yeah. replied for a couple of weeks just to make me keener. And yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it has worked and I am chomping at the bits for today. Oh, fantastic. Mate. Well, that's good. That's good that I've created a bit of a, a FOMO for you, fear of missing out that you wanted to yes. record the podcast for you. So, well, uh, thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. I think for all the listeners, they're going to hear a, a lot of wonderful stuff. And again, as I always say in each episode, there's a lot of value from this because you have a, a fantastic story to tell, which I'm not going to dive into just yet you'll be able to do that in a second but the, one of the things that I like about you is that we've only met recently like quite like uh, like a lot of my episodes recently but we met for a great connection Mr. Pete Can the we clubhouse did. legend laughter yoga leader <laughs> I don't think he does any work he can't be he's on clubhouse all the time so um, yeah, but Pete if you're listening thank you so much Pete is the laughter yoga leader that you will probably all hear in episode three or four if you go back on the podcast and uh, yeah, he connected with me because I was interested in connecting with someone else. And he said, oh, you need to chat to this guy. And then we got in touch. And one thing that I think is really, really cool about you, Lee, is that you have a random, random life journey. And I, I've done <laughs> some research. 
So oh, no. you are a podcaster, a DJ yeah. in pubs. Uh, you're a children's entertainer. You're a children's author. And you're even a monkey in Yates. And uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear this story because even though that sounds like there's some really interesting things there, Lee has a really cool story. So Lee, let's tell everybody, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thanks very much, Vicky. So uh, um, when you said that you'd uh, done a little bit of research, there's other things. There's, I've also been an internet marketer. I've had a, a SEO optimization, but I've had such a random journey to get to where I am. But primarily, 15 years, I've been doing business improvement and coaching people and teams and businesses on how to make today better than yesterday. That's me bag. And I fell into improvement 15 years ago um, because my manager at the time in the public sector said, we've got this opportunity. We think you'd be really good for it. So improvement found me. I didn't find improvements. And, it, and But then at the side of that, I was uh, I was DJing because my dad, had, my dad had always DJed. And I used to I used to help him with his boxes and stuff as a as a teenager, and I thought oh, I really like this. And and when I turned eighteen, I did my first gig, and I always remember uh, doing my introduction. I always played Robbie Williams, "Let Me Entertain You," and I, I press I press <laughs> play on that one because there's a bit in that song where it goes a little bit quiet, and I had a little bit of an intro that I'd been rehearsing, and I pressed play, and then I could see the people um, out in front of me. The lights went down, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I, I went and hid behind the speaker, hid behind the speaker. So imagine you're, you're at a guest at a party. <laughs> Robbie Williams has just started singing and playing. And then you look up on stage and there's nobody there. So I was I was hid behind the speaker. The music went down and, and then he went, and then I went, uh, good evening and welcome to um, um, Sinead's 18th birthday party here at Sacred <laughs> Art Club in Charlie. Um, if you've got a song you want to play, blah, 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 blah. So why don't you? And then Robbie comes in and goes, let me entertain. Right. And then another another song went on before I had the confidence to step out in front of everybody because I I, I wasn't as confident as I, as I am now. And then I think this this confidence thing is kind of what what I'm now finding actually. I've had a massive confidence journey, so the DJing helped me with that. But then I always remember when I was a kid, I was sat on a wall at my back of my mum and dad's garden, frightened to jump down, so they had to help me down, and then. Uh, Two years ago, I skydived from 15,000 feet. So confidence has played a massive part. And that's what I try to do now. I try to help individuals, change people, people leaders, be more confident in doing what they're doing. So that's kind of like a have picked little bits. My dad said I never had a proper job whilst I was working in the public sector. Um, so then I thought, right, this improvement stuff I like, I'm going to go and try it in other places. So then I've tried it in different places tailoring my CV to be an improvement consultant. And then two years ago, two and a half years ago, I um, set up a business with my business partner called Jason, called Get Knowledge. And that's what we do now. We work with uh, businesses to help them uh, improve the productivity whilst they align the customers and people. That's the official line. And also help individuals with their confidence. So that's the... That's kind of the randomness of the journey with the DJing at the side, dressed as a monkey and at a point in my career, I had a decision to make. Did I choose improvement or did I choose DJing and entertainment? And I looked at my dad and he was probably about uh, 58 at the time, something like that. And I thought, I don't want to be doing it when I'm 58 because he was working away or like working Friday night, Saturday night and stuff. And I thought I'm going to have to choose a proper job. Um, so I did. So then I just DJed part time until my little boy was uh, due to be born. And then I hung up the monkey suit. And then this is what I'm doing now. Very random. Yes. Children's author. Could talk about that if you want. I'll just a little bit. I was sat with my kids one night reading a story. Um, my boy was probably about four years old. A little girl was two years old, one year old. 
um, something like that. And I thought, you're not getting anything from this story. It doesn't rhyme. There's no moral to it. I'm going to write one myself. Uh, five children's books later, uh, I can now classify myself as an Amazon, an, an Amazon author. Uh, so yeah. I've done it myself. Um, so yeah, so so there you go. That's who I am. That's what wow. I do. And that's part of the randomness of the journey that I've uh, it probably explains why I've got nowhere as well. <laughs> I love that. I think that it's really fascinating for you to talk about the confidence there, because from what I've known of you, it's only been a couple of weeks or months now that I don't see that at all. I see this really confident person, you know, you're leading clubhouse rooms from around the world. You were talking about random stuff, uh, fascinating stuff that there's no way I would have thought that. So there's been a massive shift Oh. In that, where did that confidence shift come from then? Yeah, unbelievable shift. And I think, and in fact, actually, so um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to go out, but today I've, uh, I've, I've relaunched something on LinkedIn called uh, Tub Talks. And on Thursdays, it's going to be Tub Thoughts, where I, I sit in the bath and I record a video in the bath and I put it out on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and, and I think about my bath journey on LinkedIn. So I will answer your question in a second, Ricky, I promise. Yeah, right. <laughs> you did say we've got quite three... interested where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> the bath, yeah. You did say we've got three and a half hours to record this. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I was like, um, so, so yeah, so uh, Tub Talks on a Tuesday, Tub Thoughts on, on, a, on a Thursday. And I sat in the bath and I record videos. And then I, th- I think, so I was working away probably about... Um, 18 months ago um, for, for a consultancy doing the improvement stuff and staying at a Marriott hotel and I was scrolling through LinkedIn and I thought there's not very many videos of people doing what I do um, so I'm going to I'm going to pluck up the courage to record a video so I sat down in the seat at the dining in the seat in the, in the hotel room and I, I like recorded a video just talking hi how are you like, I, this is what I think so it's probably about two years ago now something like that and then um, I thought scrolling through LinkedIn no I didn't get much engagement but everybody's got the same kind of video so what could I do uh, I know I'm going to get in the shower so <laughs> so I was like all right okay so then uh, so the week later I'd be back and I thought like, right okay I got myself a tripod and I set the tripod up and uh, I hit record, I got in the shower, turned the shower on, and then I pulled back the shower curtain and started talking. And then, then, uh, and then uh, I, uh, I uploaded that video really quickly after that. I edited it, obviously, because it's a getting in and getting out of the shower scene. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, there's going to be a lot of B-roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so I edited the video, put it on, and then went down for my dinner with the, with the colleagues that I was working with. And, and I just saw some sheepish looks. I was like, what, what is it? What is it? Have you... Um, You've got the same shower as us. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So that worked. That worked. But then I, yeah. I watched the video back and you couldn't really hear it very well because it was a little bit loud with the, with the water. So I thought, I'm going to get in the bath next time. So I did the bath. So, yeah. So that's what I do now because I'm, I'm not overly bothered about what people think of me. Um, yeah. But before, I was the kid in class that when I was at, at school that was too... Em- uh, I hated putting my hand up. I, if any, I always remember like the creeping death of when they're going around the room to either read a passage from a book or answer a question and, you, and you're counting down the time. And I wasn't concentrating on what they were asking. I was concentrating on, okay, seven people to go, six people to go. I'm going to forget me words. I'm going to go red. Everybody's going to look at me. And then when it'd be my turn, I would not say what I wanted to say. I would cock up my answers even and then beat myself up afterwards. So this this kind of like feedback loop that I'm in, my thoughts driving me at behaviours, so, which I'm familiar with now and I wasn't familiar with then, that crippled me as a child, crippled me. I've asked my dad this last week, actually, to go through all of the, um, any any videos that he's got of me 
when I'm, I'm younger where it looks like I am lacking a little bit of confidence. And he started to, he's got a video where I'm sat at the top of a slide and he's always laughed at this video. So I'm sat at the top of a slide and I'm like, there going, and it's like my, my brother's with me. Um, and I'm, I must be like eight, nine and my brother's a couple of years younger than me. And I'm just letting other kids go past. I go, no, it's all right. You go before me. Cause I was frightened, sat at the top of the slide, oh. letting people go down. So my dad thought, Oh, I'm just being really polite, but I'm shit scared at the, at the top of a slide and just letting people go because of that fear, that, that, that thing inside me. And yeah. so my confidence journey has been, nearly as uh, as as uh, roller coaster like as my career journey but i think <laughs> everything i've done has allowed me to to learn a little bit and to try to to get over it but it's really only been these last two or three years where i've been really really comfortable another little story for you actually i've got tattoos <laughs> um so on this is my right arm and like two inches from my wrist is where my first tattoo started. I went into the tattoo artist about eight years ago, uh-huh. and I said to him, "I said, can you uh, can you do me a tattoo on my arm?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah." I said, uh, "I said, don't start it at my wrist though, because I don't want people to be able to see it. I'm I, I'm conscious <laughs> and worried what people will say um, and the stigma attached to tattoos." So I said, "Just do it there, so so I can just like." put a shirt on and stuff like that because I was more worried about what other what people will say than I was yeah. about the reasons for the tattoos and the tattoos I've got me me boy and me, me girls um handprints on my arm tattooed me dates of birth so I don't forget them and, and stuff and all sorts of different things that yeah. that mean something to me so because wow. I've been more conscious about other people and only recently yeah. I don't care what other people think now because I'm just going to be I'm going to be me um Definitely. I'm going to be me because, and there's reasons for that as well. So when we've been talking, I've um, I've said uh, like two, three years ago, two, three years ago, two, three years ago, and that's been a pivotal moment in my life for a, for, for one massive, massive reason. And you started this about, uh, I had a story to tell. And I, and I do have a little story to tell. Um, am I all right to tell the little story now? Yeah, of course. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing here with tears. The, the listeners who are listening back to this on audio won't be able to see this, but I've got tears just from laughing. I've got to say, Lee, before you share your story, yeah, you're very you're very similar to me. I think I think we're different ages, aren't we? I won't say for the listeners in case you don't want to share. But um, there's when, you a, said, when you say different ages, do you think you're older or younger than me? I, I think I'm younger than you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I've got, I've got more hair than you. So yeah, no, that's <laughs> like, sorry. Um, but yeah, so one of the things that is very similar to me, like with the magician journey and the training journey, there was a point where I think I had to make that decision as well. But I was similar to you where I asked my mum and dad this um, not too long ago. I think it was just the end of last year. As a presenter and a performer, I asked my mum and dad, where do I get this from, mum, dad? You know, because, you know, were you presenters or performers? Did you want to be? And then, Ricky, we haven't even got a performance bone in our bodies. We've got no idea why you are like you are. So I do think I'm adopted. Yeah. Uh, that'll probably explain why I've got blue eyes and yeah. they've all got brown. So anyway, um, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> we'll bring it back in here. Um, I love this idea of how you shifted. And I think what you're about to reveal your story is probably led to that shift. So, yeah, you have a wonderful story. If you don't mind, please, please feel free to share. Yeah, no, perfect. No, thanks for that, Ricky. Um, yeah, so the story, um, I'll, I'll start that. And I think, I, I think, that was it is a pivotal moment in my life where things have kind of ramped up far more. But I think because of the DJing stuff, and, and um, I started that when I was 18 and hid behind speakers, but then over time became more and more confident and then being able to dress up and, and not worry about that. So I think there's 
there's, I've become more comfortable with different situations, but only now am I more comfortable with myself because I think confidence is quite situational in nature. And what I've established is that, yeah, I've had a really random career, which has allowed me to be more comfortable in a lot of different situations. Whereas if I'm if I'm just doing the same task, I'll be comfortable in that. I would have been comfortable in that one task, but because I've been so varied, I'm now comfortable in a whole host of different things. Um, and I think that plays a part in it. But yeah, um, in fact, actually, Ricky, when I, when I tell this story, I, I typically ask a question that starts with, do you have a friend that um, you might not have seen for a week or a month or a few months that when you get back together, that it's like you've not been apart? There's no, there's no gap there. Yeah, definitely. I've got, I've got two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Really good lads. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, if it's been like a long time, you can just pick up the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And, 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 and I do as well, a guy called, a guy called Chris and we grew up together. We were, we, I moved into the same street as him. So my mum, well, with my mum and dad, obviously I was one year old. Um, I, I wasn't loaning my own mortgage and I was at that age. So we, we moved into a street next door, but three to, uh, to Chris and my mum quickly became best friends with his mum and they would go walking together, pushing prams together and, and stuff like that. They both ended up having three kids at the same time. And me and Chris were the eldest of the of the uh of, of the three and we went to different um we went to different schools because um of religion really he was he was catholic and uh we weren't so that was the only reason we went to different schools anyway so we went to different schools and but we still stayed close and, and so we had different different friends and, di- and different and different journeys but that thing about actually it might have been a week or a, or a month or a couple of months we would come back together and it'd be like well like we've never been and then about three, two and a half, two and a half years ago, yeah, two and a half years ago, I was working as an employed consultant on a on a site in London, and and I got a phone call um, from uh, from one of our friends to say that I needed to come on because because uh, Chris had taken a turn, a t- taken a turn for the worst. So I went to London Euston Station. I got on the train. This was Wednesday lunchtime ish. And uh, I got to the, back to Preston about mid-afternoon. The times are irrelevant. It's got no, uh, nothing to do with the story at all. Anyway, I uh, got in a taxi and got to um, St. Catherine's Hospice in Preston where I, I walked into the, to the room where he was and his, uh, his sister was there, his ex-partner was there, uh, one of our other mates was there. And, and I, I looked at Chris and he was, he was lying down and he looked a lot, a lot frailer and like, like sheet, uh, sheet white, as well, so he was like really, really pale, and we went and, and gave him a hug, and uh, and then I said to to everybody, I said, I said, it's all right, I'll do the night shift tonight with him, I'll I'll stay with him and, and let them go because they'd been doing the, they'd been spending a lot of time with him and, and stuff, and I'd been away for a few days, so I set up camp on the and unfortunately I had my overnight bag because I've been working away, so I set up camp on the uh, on the couch. Um, and and we started we started talk, talking. It was like a one way conversation. But what what was uh, beautiful about about that that day? He'd, um, he'd always wanted to, and I've never shared this this bit actually. He'd, he'd always wanted to get people because he had two boys, fourteen and sixteen at the time. He'd always wanted people when it was nearly when he was like uh, coming coming to the end. He wanted to put a Facebook post out and go and basically say it's coming to the end. Um, what I'd really like you to do is just show one foot, one picture, um, or a, a memory that you've got that that his boys could then see how um, how loved he was. So we we posted that um, that post, and and throughout the night I was able to to go through those and, and show him some some of the stuff. And anyway, ten to eight in the morning, 
Um, my breakfast was due at eight o'clock from the, from the hospice. It was just tea and toast, nothing fancy. And uh, I got up off the uh, I got up off the couch, and I, I, I just said to her, right, Chris, I'll be back in a minute. I'm uh, just going to go and freshen up. And I went into the bathroom. I brushed my teeth. I had a wash, and uh, and I came out, and I looked over at Chris, and his chest expanded. And then that was it. It, it chosen that moment to um, to to leave, which wow. Which, if I think back, when he was first told that he was terminal, and the consultant left his room at, uh, at Preston Hospital, I went into the room to see him, and we started talking about about death. So I was the first person to see him after the after the consultant had, had given that news. There was no more medication they could give him, and we were talking about death and stuff. And there was another nurse in the room, and they went, "Do you uh, do you not? Do you think I'll be able to? Do you think I'll know?" When the time's coming, do you think people know? And we had this big discussion, and people talk about this, don't they? That, yeah. that people get to choose, or people don't get to choose. And then the nurse said, um, "Well, yeah, some people believe they can, and some people believe they can't." And we were talking about Chris's mum, who'd, who'd passed um, just a couple of years before with uh, the same type of can- cancer, and and she, we we all believe that she waited for a particular moment be- before passing. And Chris, he looked over, he went. I'll let you know, Lee. I'll let you know oh. if you can tell, right? So then I've I've walked out of the bathroom and his chest has gone up and then it's just paused and then that's it, he's gone. That I, I honestly, people think I'm, I'm crazy, but then to have that conversation and then to see that moment, I think there's more than a coincidence. Anyway, so that happened and I made a few phone calls um, to tell everybody that the time had come and, and stuff. And I went and sat outside St. Cath's and and um, I stood. I was sat outside, and the sun was beaming down. I was like reflecting on my life, and I think I was thinking to myself that I've got two young kids, and every single morning I tell them they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up. And I was thinking to myself, I'm a I'm a blooming fraud because I'm not. I don't have my own job. I, I, no, so I do have my own job, but I don't have my own business doing what I, what I love. And I've always wanted my own business, and and I've just been plodding through life trying to please other people as we, what like we spoke about before and, and more bothered about that and then, then I started to reflect on on Chris's um messages that he, that he said before because when in, do, you, do you follow football uh no not really no okay I'll skip this part of the story then no, I'm looking <laughs> uh, so um, I, know when it, I know what it is yeah uh, that's, that's that's the important part so um <laughs> when when he was ill we um him and his two boys were coming around to my house to watch the a Champions League final Liverpool versus Real Madrid the Champions League final that Liverpool lost um and he came, he came around to my house um and he drove around he was ill but he, he still did it um and he got at the bottom of my road there's a there's a roundabout and a car had pulled out on him on that roundabout and then he came to my house he went you never guess what happened I said, what? I said, uh, he said, uh, he said, this car pulled out on me. I said, yeah. He went, I said, what did you do? He went, nothing. I said, what? He said, nothing. I said, I said what? What do you mean? Why? What do you mean nothing? Because Chris was always one of these people who would flick the V's out of the window. He'd drive up. He'd drive up behind them. Maybe follow them home and pull up on the drive behind them because that really riled him up and that's that really frustrated him. And he went, well, it didn't matter, did it? It doesn't really matter, does it? And that's stuck in my mind, and that sticks in my mind now so much because when he was uh, told he was terminal and he said, I'm going to come into a bit of money, um, he's going to extract his pension and stuff. And he said, you've always wanted to have your own business and let me give you a few grand to uh, to set you up. I was like, no, I don't I don't want any of you. That's your boy's money. That's, your, that's the boy's trust. But I said, what I'd really love for you to do is to just reflect on your life a little bit. And, and if I'm honest, right, is 
I'd wanted to ask him this question so many times before, um, but I'd never had the balls to do it. And there's some, something inside me just said, ask the question now. And so I asked him the question. I said, would you, would you just reflect on, on your life and tell me what the three most important lessons are that I can share with people um, when you're reflecting on your life? And he was like, bloody hell, I wish you'd just asked for the money. That would have been far easier. <laughs> so anyway, over, over the coming weeks, and whether it was at his house or at the hospital, um, I, would go, I would go and see him. And I got there once, and he went, oh, I've got the first one for you. He said, uh, he said, when he was splitting up with an ex-partner of his, he said he tried to be somebody that he thought she wanted him to be. Um, he tried to be somebody that he thought would be able to um, make the relationship last longer. Um, and he said it didn't make him happy, it didn't make her happy, and they still ended up splitting up. So he said, no matter what, just always be yourself. So that was that was the first one. And what I've been able to do for all three of the lessons, I'll tell you the other two in a minute, is I've, try, I've doubled down on these three things over the last two and a half years because Chris had his reasons for the three lessons. And although I understand these reasons and I, and I get his reasons, I wanted to understand what they mean for me and what they mean for what they could mean for anybody. So what I think always being yourself is, is, is truly about that little voice in your head, that little voice. What's that little voice in your head saying to you and understanding what that little voice in your head says to you, because if you can, that is, that is you, that is you, isn't it? It's, there's nobody else that's in your, in your, in your head. So if you can understand that and the impact that that has on, on your behavior. So your thoughts drive your behavior. If you can control your thoughts, then you can influence your behavior and and, and live a better life or achieve better results or or whatever, whatever that is. So that's that's what I've taken from always being yourself. And that's why I want to share with people is is that always being yourself really is about controlling and understanding that voice and and that you can influence that that direction. Anyway, so that was the first one. The second one was uh, I went back to see him and he was at the hospital and I walked in to see him and he went, he went um, Nash, so Nash is one of our mates. He went, uh, Nash rings me at 12 o'clock every lunchtime. And uh, every time, he's on, his, every time when he's, he's on his break and he comes when he finishes work and he said, when you're not a client site, you, uh, you come and see me, whether at hospital or, or home and stuff. And he says, um, he says, when we were growing up, we could have chosen different friends and things. Um, but they wouldn't have been here now. They wouldn't have ring, ring me at 12 o'clock. He said, uh, he said, so the second thing is just make good friends because you never know when you're going to need them. You never know when you're going to need those friends. And that, that I think it's much more than friends. So Chris, so Chris had his example based on him lying in his hospital bed going, okay, that, um, I'm all by myself. If, that per, if I had different friends, I wouldn't get that phone call at lunchtime. I wouldn't get that visitor in an evening. I wouldn't get that visitor in a weekend. But in life, um, is we're all people and humans, aren't we? And and I think whether it's a customer, a client, a peer, a leader, a family member, whether it's somebody you've only met a couple of months ago via a, a laughing man, I think it's all about connection and relationship because you never know when you might need them. So when Chris said you never know when you might need them, that is for everybody. You never know how a first conversation might help you in the in the future so i think that's that's why that's really important so that was the second one and then the third one was we had the opportunity to go to the uh so before he was re before the no medication and all of that stuff um we had an opportunity to go to the etihad stadium so this was 
literally two, two, three weeks before he passed. We had, um, so he bought the tickets before he was terminal, and then the the, um, the Foo Fighters were due like three weeks before he passed. Anyway, so it was at the Etihad Stadium. Eight of us went. Um, Chris, his ex-partner, and his two boys went in one car, and four of us went in another car. And on the way home from that, his two boys dropped him off um, at his hospice, and then his youngest said, is it too late for me uh, for my dad to go to Anfield um, with Lee and, and, and his boy? And so I got a phone call at midnight to say, is it too late? Because uh, Chris's lad would really like, like like him to do that. I was like, Plumenek, we've been asking him so many times what they want to do, but let's let's make it happen. So that was on the Thursday. Liverpool were amazing. So Liverpool are a football club, by the way. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool were amazing. So that was on the Thursday. We went on the Sunday. We had a private tour. We could take as, many time, as much time as we wanted in each of the different areas. We had ice creams. We, had, um, we bought tops in the shop. We um, had food and had drink and stuff. And on the way back from that, it was, I was driving. Chris was sat next to me. His two boys were behind him. And my little boy, um, four years old, sat behind me. And um, he looked over at me and he said, how many times could we have done this? I said, yeah, a lot. He said, well, why did we wait until the time when I had to be wheel drying and I was a burden? Why did we not do it when I could sit on the seats that uh, I, uh, I wanted to sit on? So he said, um, he said, the third lesson is time is limited because, well, because you, you never know. And, and that really is about creating habits, forming habits, I guess, is, the, is just like doing stuff. Now, my biggest frustration is those people that, that they want to they wanna get fitter, they want to get healthier, they want to get better, they want to do something. But only on Monday or um, next, beginning of next month or at the start of next year, if you're saying those things then your reason to do it is not big enough. And that's what it comes down to. When Chris said that, we always had reasons to do something different as opposed to the things that maybe we should have done. So I think if you do want to do something and you don't want to do it now, then you're prioritizing whatever it is you're doing. Is that really more important than what you want to do? Because if you're only going to start it on Monday, the following Monday, the start of the year, then... I'd say you need a bigger reason to do it that actually kicks you up the ass so you do it now because time is limited. So it was with those three lessons. I was sat outside the hospice going, you're a fraud. You're, you're telling your kids every single morning so they can be whatever they want to be and you're not. So in the last two years, I have doubled down on those three lessons. I have started my own business with Jason. I've started my own podcast and I'm kind of now, I understand now that confidence is something, a journey that I've had and that I want to help people with. So I'm going to pause for a breath there, Ricky, because I'm conscious I've not taken one for about 23 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, firstly, just thank you for a wonderful story. I mean, it can never be easy probably repeating a story like that that's, that's so um, emotionally connected to you. So thank you for sharing that. It's a wonderful story. And uh, he sounds like a cracking guy, you know, Chris. He sounds like a great lad. What, would you, what do you think Chris would say if he was still around now and he saw what you're achieving now? Because let's just be honest here. For people who don't know Lee, Lee's pretty much everywhere. He's a cheeky chappy, if you haven't worked this out yet. He's um, confident. He's positive. He's always doing something. He's always on LinkedIn. He's always on Clubhouse. He's always doing something. And I, I don't know Lee from before, Chris, but what do you think he would say now if he saw you right now? Shut up talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and because because I, I, remember, I remember stood up at his eulogy and um, I, I delivered his eulogy and and I said that the word that sums Chris up, and he had those like the the church was packed, 
and there was people outside and stuff. And I said that the, what, the single word and the reason why everybody's in this room today is because Chris is the most selfless individual that any of us in this room have met, that any of us in this room, not one person, if anybody was in trouble or if anybody needed anything, he would disregard anything about himself and always put them first. Um, so the first thing he would say, stop talking about me. Uh, yeah, stop talking about him because he never thought he was special or or talented. He was a he was um, electrical engineer. He worked at Leyland Truck, Leyland uh, Leyland Motors. He was um, he was good at what he did, but he would just see himself as a, a normal, hardworking chap. But but I think yeah. what he really has got is is I think he's got a gift really I think in, in yeah. when he's reflecting on that stuff and I'm so grateful for the time and effort he put into those things and to think about those things and yeah. and to back it up with a with an, a story of the reason why it was important to him yeah. that honestly I'm so somebody referred to him the other, the other week actually as the sleeping partner in in my business um yeah. And and he is, but he's, but more than I, he's a sleeping partner in my life. I think. Yeah. So I'm tat I'm tattooed with the three lessons on on the outside of my arm, and I've got on the inside of my arm. You can't see if I do this, but there's a little ginger kid walking up some steps at ten to eight in the morning. So he's tattooed on the inside of my arm as well. Oh. And um, he always wanted to when he um when he was when he was leaving and stuff. He wanted to always he wanted to get people stuff. Um. So um. And I I didn't want anything from him, but he ended up getting me a ring with those three things that were engraved wow. on the on the inside of the ring. So I guess to answer your question, he would just say, stop talking about me. <laughs> stop talking. Yeah, because um, <laughs> although he, he liked being the center of attention in a group of lads, he was not wanting to be the center of attention in a big group of people he didn't know. Wow. I, I think you're so right when you talk about the selfish thing, because, I mean, no one can imagine what it's like to be at that point when you know that, like you said, when it's terminal, to, to think that, you have set amount of days left on this earth. You know, there's so many thoughts that be running through people's minds about uh, relationships or, or things you need to tie up. But for him to stop and ask you three lessons, you know, that is so. Well, I, I guess it's the phrase: isn't it? not all or not all superheroes wear capes. And he is a completely superhero for inspiring you and uh, you know taking you on this new journey and this transformation. Which you know you're doing a fantastic job. I know that we've connected recently, but even from that, we've now connected with great podcast that. that I'll edit this bit out because I've just gone wrong there. But my uh, friend Bev, yep. who you know now, yes. Bev Holden, she gets mentioned on the podcast every time. So if people are playing bingo, there you go. There's a line for you. Um, <laughs> but it just goes to show the testament of relationships, connections, making good friends, and always being yourself as well. Because I've talked about this recently with Alan and Emily from the Yellow Tuxedo. Authenticity, I think, is so key. Yeah. And just being yourself. I mean, like my friend said to me, he said um, when he was listening to season one. You know, he said, oh, great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Ricky. But by the end of the season, you really came out as yourself and really, you know, you could tell that you kind of got comfortable with it. And it, it's just crazy. Isn't it? I think that we, we really need to do more. And again, I know that, you know, I'm a big fan of Andy Cope. It's, is it 4,000 weeks or something like that? 4,000 weeks we have yeah, to live. Yeah, yeah. You know, so why would you waste any of that? And there's something that was, I mean, it was a conversation I recently had with someone that was having a bit of a tough time, quite annoyed at life and quite bitter and angry. I was like that, you know, a lot last year. And I had two family members that passed away. One of them uh, died of uh, like sudden cancer and one of them had Parkinson's, which was a, was a horrible way to go. But I can sit here and moan about how I'm not getting work or I can moan about how things are crap. 
can't go out. It's pissing down a rain. It's cold. It's wintry. Um, you know, lockdown. But I'm sure that my uncle that passed away would love to swap with me right now to still be here with his family. Yes. When you think of it like that in perspective, we really do need to focus on being ourselves, enjoying life. And uh, yeah, time is limited. Com- completely, completely. There's, um, when, in one of my courses, group coaching courses, um, I, I think it's Paul McGee. I don't know if you, you've heard it. He's yeah, got this yeah. the Sumo book and stuff. And I think uh, in one of his books, he uh, gives you um, a formula, E plus R equals O. Yes, event yeah, based from Jack Canfield, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, event plus yeah. reaction equals outcome. And I, I think by understanding that and just framing stuff, so I can't, the stuff that happened to Chris it was going to happen to Chris. Yeah. Um, lymphoma twice, melanoma once. That's what got him. But our reaction to those things and Chris being so positive in that and still being selfless to the end and, and stuff, that he has left a positive outcome or positive impact on something that is, is horrendous. So, yeah, so I think that E plus R equals R is so important. Um, and it's just we are in control of our reaction, even though we think we're not in control of our reaction. Yeah, but it's a choice, isn't it? Absolutely. I had a lot of people say, Ricky, you're always smiling, you're always positive. Of course, I have bad days. I have days where things don't go right. You know, things, um, you know, like like yesterday, tuning in to watch Snowpiercer, thinking I was going to watch the whole bloody season and it's only released episode one. That's a crap day, isn't it, Lee? No, of course not. I sound, I sound so privileged don't I, when I say that. Um, but no, like things go wrong. You know, I remember dealing with cancellations and postponements and refunds in my business. It's a horrible thing. But no one wants to see that. We're all yeah. kind of going through a tough time. So, you know, it's, you know, I love a good quote. Jim Rohn, he talks about, you know, if you think about the boat, we're all faced with the same winds of opportunity and destruction, but you've got to set yourself. That's how you determine your success. And I think I just want to make a difference and turn up yeah. and be happy and be positive. And if it makes someone happy, then that's it. At the end of the day, you know, if I can get out of bed every single day and I'm alive, then that's the main thing, isn't it? Whatever comes from that is bonus. Completely. Just, just on what you said about your friend and the feedback that they gave following uh, the, the first set of, of, of episodes. Yeah. So I've, I've really wrestled with this always being yourself um, because I think you have different different versions of yourself depend, dependent upon the situation. So when you think about episode one, recording it, <laughs> is it all going to be right? Am I going to push all the buttons? Am I hitting record? You were yourself then. You're just a more confident version of yourself yes. as you've gone. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a more think, improved version, is it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's still you being yourself. The important yeah. thing is you're still recording it. You're still asking the questions that you would ask. Yeah. Um, so I think you're still yourself, but you're just a more... A more. Um, and I think this is about um, confidence as well. Experience breeds confidence. Because yeah. you've done a number of episodes now, so you're starting to become more confident in it. And you don't need to worry about pressing record because you know that's just habitual and you'll do that yeah, or, yeah. And, and all of that stuff. So you're just a, a better version or a more polished version of yourself in the podcasting world, but you were still absolutely. yourself in episode one. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only difference now, it's like uh, it's like when I'm a magician. Like If you talk to me on Zoom, I talk like this. And then if you see a match, it's like, hey, everybody, how are you? you know, like, it's kind of like my, my voice moves up a little bit of an octave, but it's like you're switching on a character. And I think that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was the same Ricky, but just a more improved version. I've learned from the failures. I've learned from the mistakes to carry on. And we're still here. That's the yes. main thing. It's showing up every day, isn't it? Lee, I think we could talk for hours, but I'm going to try and wrap this up because I think that your story was so important. And one of the questions that I've asked or sent to you before, so to get you to think about this, is how can we make a difference this year? Because I think Chris has truly made a difference to you uh, and all of the others around him, I'm sure, as well. 
what can we do to make a difference this year? Yeah, okay. So I think the, the only thing is, well, not the only thing, but I think the thing that is important for me with sharing those three things is Chris had his reasons for those three things. I spent two years trying to understand what they mean for me and how I can deliver them in a meaningful way to everybody. But when I say them out loud, always being yourself, making good friends and time is limited, they will mean something individual to everybody based on their own experiences. So I think those are the foundations for success, whether it's sales, whether it's change, whether it's leadership, whether it's family life or whatever, those are, that's the foundation for me now for, for everything. But I would just say to make a difference is understand what those three things mean to you as a person. Are you always being yourself? Are you doing your best to make good friends? And if there's something that you want to do, are you doing it? Because time is limited. Yeah, that's it for me. I love that. I think that's so, it's three life lessons, isn't it? Three lessons to, to keep you going. Absolutely. Okay, so last question then, Lee. Um, I've been asking this to all the guests in season two. One of the things that I talk about in this podcast is about living how to be the best version of yourselves. And I'm talking about the idea of creating wonderful experiences because I, I truly think that lockdown has exposed that people have gone back to basics and we're missing out on wonderful experiences. We're kind of just choosing to suffer or choosing to not be happy just because of the way the world is. And like we've discussed, it's a choice. We can decide to choose how we want to, you know, E plus I equals O. Yeah. But what do you think we can do to create more magical experiences, either for our customers, uh, in our business, or even just in relationships? What do you think we can do to create a more magical experience this year? Brush your teeth with the opposite hand. So what I mean by that is, <laughs> is if we all become comfortable with change, then it becomes, it's, we're more familiar with it. So if you start, wake up tomorrow morning, and if you always brush your teeth with your right hand, brush it with your left hand. If you always drive to work or you, you walk downstairs, um, walk down, no, no, don't walk downstairs backwards uh, because you might get a lot of complaints, Ricky, but um, I would do something different. And then when you're in the office, or when you're in work and you're trying to, can, can you delight your customers in a different way? So can we do something different? Because... I think we become we become quite quite uh, static in what we do, and just normality just just sets in. And I think yeah. it's only when we become comfortable with change do we actually know what's achieve, what is possible to achieve. So I would just say push those boundaries, but by starting with brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. Love that. I love that. That's very good. I'm thinking of uh, something I said before about um, going around IKEA backwards, yeah. <laughs> doing something different. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Love that. So, Lee, thank you, mate, so much for coming on. You've got some wonderful lessons um, and some wonderful tips as well. But I think people need to hear more about you because one thing that I haven't pretty much said really yet is that Lee also has his own podcast, which is called the Business Problem Solve Podcast. And uh, Lee, how can we find out more about you? Tell us about the podcast and where can we find more about what you do? Yeah, perfect. Thanks very much, Ricky. And uh, yes, so Business Problem Solved podcast is available everywhere. It started off as me trying to help change people, uh, basically me trying to talk my lessons to me. But what is actually, um, I'm not, I don't journal at all, but the Business Problem Solved podcast really is a reflection of my life over the last two and a half years. It's a weekly episode and I can, I can see how I've changed as a person with the lessons that I've had and the conversations that I've had. So that's my journaling really. 
So that's what Business Problem Solved is. But I am on all over LinkedIn, Lee Horton. I'm on Clubhouse, at Lee Horton. <laughs> I'm on Instagram now because of Clubhouse, which is yeah. Business Problem Solved. But I'm trying to be everywhere. But ultimately, so the business is the, the, the business that I've got is uh, with Jason is Get Knowledge, and that's the, just getknowledge.co.uk. So yeah, if I can help or talk or whatever, then those are the places to do that. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. You have an incredible story. And uh, I think that I think more people need to hear about it because those life lessons are so important right now. Uh, well, well, they are every day, not just now, but I think it's such an important story. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Uh, good luck this year. Best wishes. I'm sure that we are going to see you excel even further with your wonderful confidence in your business. So thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. No, thank you so much, Ricky. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Lee, for coming on to the show. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for sharing those free, amazing life lessons. Free, powerful life lessons we should all live by. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you did enjoy it, then head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and leave a review and a rating. It helps to get out to more listeners around the world. Thanks for listening. Take care, and I'll join you on the next episode of Unlocked. Unlocked.